Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include why you shouldn't hold your breath for 3% rates, my interview with Calc's Jeremy Foster and cross-country mortgages Nikki James on helping clients negotiate a lower purchase price, reduce their interest payments, and eliminate PMI, and takeaways from the Fed holding pat on rates yesterday. Thanks to today's podcast sponsor, Calc. Given that rates are the highest they've been in decades, how can homeowners be convinced to move into a new home? With the trade and mortgage powered by Calc, homeowners can buy before they sell, make non-contingent offers, and tap their home equity to fund the down payment on their next home. The result? Lenders help their clients negotiate a lower purchase price, reduce their interest payments, and eliminate PMI. Any lender or loan officer relying on the return of 3% 30-year fixed rate loans? Well, I wouldn't count on it. Many LOs seem like they'd be happy with 5%. That aside, the MBA predicts a tepid unit count, and that means things are slow even if loan amounts are higher than four years ago. The bump everyone received from the unexpectedly low mortgage rates of the pandemic era, hard to believe that it's been almost four years, are unlikely to make a comeback, and for good reason. Think about it. What would drive them back there? Economists warn that such rock-bottom rates, while seemingly advantageous for home buyers, could spell trouble for the broader United States economy. Or conversely, serious problems in our economy would lead to those lower rates, and who wants those? A return to the 2% to 3% rates would indicate severe economic distress, and few want to see a major economic downturn. As we all know, during the height of the pandemic, mortgage rates plummeted, which was good for home buyers and those already owning real estate. The opportunity didn't arise from deliberate efforts by the U.S. government to encourage homeownership during the pandemic. Mortgage rates reached such unprecedented lows in response to the COVID-induced financial crisis, prompting the Fed to reduce its policy rates to nearly zero as a means of stimulating an economy grappling with recession. We don't want that again. Recall 2008 when the Fed cut rates to zero fairly quickly and there was a financial crisis, but also the unemployment rate shot up to 10%. Low rates are good, really low rates are bad. Yesterday's Fed statement was good. We're not in a situation where the Fed needs to slash rates quickly, but instead we'll leave short-term rates alone and continue on its path to bringing inflation down to its 2% target level. And the committee even signaled to the potential of four rate cuts this year, which would inevitably bring mortgage rates down. Loan officers are telling their clients and potential clients, if you're in a place where the mortgage rates being high is really putting a pinch on what you can buy, well, if you wait with a high likelihood, the interest rate is going to be less. Many expect 30-year fixed rates in the high fours or low fives by year end. Let's say 30-year rates are 6.8%. Assuming a 20% down payment on a $425,000 home, a 5.8% mortgage rate would save a buyer $222 per month versus current rates, while a 4.8% rate would result in savings of $433 per month. Of course, treasury rates could sink and mortgage rates hover based on other factors. No one has a crystal ball. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome to the show Calc's Jeremy Foster and Cross Country Mortgage's Nikki James to talk about helping clients negotiate a lower purchase price, reduce their interest payments, and eliminate PMI. 
So Jeremy, last I saw you, we were actually both in Denver at a Megastar Financial event speaking. And it was cool to see you up on stage talking about the trade in mortgage and all the, the originators in the audience are nodding their heads like, holy smokes, I can really use this product and it's going to help me get more production. So for people that have been listening to this podcast, I've been touting it all week and, and Calc will be a sponsor of future shows. So they'll continue to hear about it. But for those who might be tuning in today for the first time this week or for listeners who haven't heard of Calc, what is the trade in mortgage? The trade in mortgage is a highly cost effective way of eliminating the departing residents from debt to income so that you can enable your borrowers to buy their next home with a non contingent mortgage, which is going to be a lot more powerful in, in the offer, close and move in. And then their realtor can stage, show, and sell their old house without them having to do some of the workarounds like move into an apartment, load all their stuff into pods, right? It, it's a it's a cleaner, simpler, more cost-effective solution to allow someone to buy before they sell. Very well put. And uh, I appreciate you being succinct there. It's a nice little elevator pitch. You know, you talked about how the trade in mortgage is a buy before you sell solution. What problems do you feel like it solves? And I guess for whom? There are there are a number of problems that it solves. And we try to make sure that we've solved problems for essentially every party in the transaction. I'm having a tough time thinking of somebody that doesn't help. So if you put yourself in the shoes of the of the seller of the home your borrower is trying to buy, one big challenge for them, if your borrower is coming with a contingent offer, is they're now evaluating two potential offers. Let's say there's one that's got this contingency and one that doesn't. So the one with the contingency sounds something like, hi, great news. I've been pre-approved for a mortgage. The only catch is I can't actually close until I sell my old house. Now, I hope I get an offer. They should be, I should be clear to close in 30 days if I get an offer on my house. But if I don't, then this whole deal is going to fall through. So that's offer one. Offer two is someone who's got a non-contingent offer. Hey. I've been approved. I can close in 30 days. If you're the person selling that home, you're going to take that second offer every single time because it solves real pain points for you. Um, and there are a lot of stats out there that say that non-contingent offers, depending on the market, are anywhere between 65% more likely to win and four times as likely to win as a contingent offer. Um, UC San Diego did a study that found that when a contingent offer is able to win, it's typically going to pay about 11% more than a cash offer. Um, and there've been a lot, there's a lot of additional data that says it's anywhere between three and 11%. So your borrowers are handicapped in their ability to compete if they're bringing a contingent mortgage. So that's one party it solves a problem for. Obviously, it solves a problem for the listing agent for that seller as well, solves a problem for the buyer's agent. For your borrower who's trying to close on that next home and wants that additional negotiating leverage, solves a problem for your borrower um, who gets to not only have a greater likelihood of winning, is likely to save money, but they're also going to avoid an enormous amount of headache. They're going to avoid this really awful experience that someone a lot of times will have to go through if they are still living in their house while they're trying to sell it. And they're going to get a call an average of 14 times that sounds something along the lines of, great news, I've got a potential 
buyer for your house. Uh, I'll be there in two hours, you know, go downstairs and scrub the toilet and straighten up and do whatever you got to do with the kids. Surprise. <laughs> right. And so that leaves that leaves this really awful experience that has led to a circumstance where 36% of adults cry during this process and 20% of adults cry five times or more. Good LO can help. Good agent can help. But they're fighting an uphill battle because the process is backwards unless you have the cash to be able to make a non-contingent offer or you have the income to qualify for both mortgages at the same time. And we help solve that problem. So I'd say we we solve a, a pretty meaningful set of problems for everybody involved. I want to know what sadistic statistician is out there tracking the amount of times that people cry. That's an interesting <laughs> That's study. A- <laughs> but I mean, you, you sound kind of like the Oprah of mortgage. It's like, you get some help, you get some help, you get some help. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I should I should cite so Zillow did a study that found that uh, that crying stat. Good old Zillow, Nikki. Anything to add color wise before uh, we move on here? I think I would just say that Calc offers certainty. It offers peace of mind, and that's what Jeremy was speaking to there. It gives people. It solves the problem of how do I know where I'm going before I've given up what I have, and people are worried. They don't want to give up what they have until they know. What the what the future looks like, and can they buy in the same school district? You know, all of these worries that they that they have. Calc helps solve that by giving them that certainty of what the house will sell for, and and the ability to do it before they've given up the current the current home. So yes, it's a it's a fabulous program. Well put. So let's do a similar structure here for the third question. Where Jeremy, I'll go to you first, and then Nikki chime in right when Jeremy's done. There are a lot of companies that are offering buy before you sell products. Can you explain some of the differences or big differences between all the options out there? Yeah, so I would I would kind of talk about it in basically three big waves for the consumer because there are so many parties involved, three big waves for the consumer and then, you know, three big waves for for who the partners involved in the process are. Um and so consumer for the consumer this really started with the i buyer, instant buyer, institutional buyer. Uh, sometimes referred to programs that you probably have heard of, Open Door or OfferPad. For a little while, Zillow did this with Zillow Offers. For a little while, Redfin did this with Redfin Now, where they're making a, a binding offer on your home. They are going to buy it no matter what, um, but you you are also going to sell it no matter what as the consumer. It's a take it or leave it offer, typically at a very heavy discount. So a lot of times that discount you know, it might be 20%. Um, and they're disintermediating the real estate agent and they're disintermediating the lender. So if you go back and look at some of Open Door's, you know, investor calls, they've got references to say, hey, look, we want to attach, we want a 75% mortgage attach rate. So they want to get that mortgage 75% of the time. Um, very expensive for the consumer. And again, it, it disintermediates existing parties. So they're going to, and it's really expensive for a couple of reasons. One, it costs money to buy and sell a house. So if you're going to do it an extra time, somebody's got to pay for that and ain't going to be open door. Two, um, somebody's got to turn around and find those customers. So they, those I buyers have to find someone to buy the house from, and then they have to find someone to sell the house to. And then they have the carrying costs, the interest expense of owning that home, which has gone up a lot in recent years. And so the net effect of that is it's just, they've got to pass those costs on to consumers and, and it's a lot of expense. 
Second big wave is the power buyer wave. And this model is someone's actually going to advance the cash to purchase the next home on your behalf. They're going to lease that back to you, let you move in, and then they're going to stage and sell the old residence. And once that home sells, they will sell the next home back to you. Believe it or not, that's actually a little more cost effective because there's more control around the timing and because there's only one party that they've got to find as far as a customer goes. And so that's a more cost-effective model. It's the model a lot of copycats kind of pivoted to. Knock and Homeward were the two that really kind of pioneered this model. And then you had Home Light, Fly Homes, Up Equity, a whole bunch of others that pivoted to that model, most of whom uh, were competing either with the real estate agent by being a brokerage or competing with lenders by trying to capture the mortgage and offering a discount to the consumer if they gave them the mortgage. And so that was kind of the big second wave. Um, and then the third wave really is the one that, that Calc started, what we call the power lending wave. And there are really two big ideas behind it. One was to look at it and say, okay, what's the real source of the problem here? Well, the real source of the problem is the investors who are buying those mortgages have a Fannie and Freddie being two of the biggies, have a very legitimate need to make sure that the borrower is not taking on more debt than they can afford. And so they want to underwrite them for, they want you to underwrite them from a debt to income perspective. And if they have to labor under two mortgages, then they've got to count both of those mortgages. So we looked at it and said, okay, can we solve this problem in a more cost-effective way? And what we do is we make a binding offer on the home. The home will sell. Neither we nor the borrower can back out of the transaction. And that meets all of the criteria that Fannie and Freddie have to say, oh, well, yes, I can see when this is going to sell. This is, this is a legitimate binding offer. You can exclude that from debt to income. Unlike the iBuyer wave, however, we give the borrower the right to replace us with somebody else. So they can't cancel the transaction, but they can find another buyer for their home. And we give them four to five months, depending on the market. They can find another buyer for that home who will pay a higher price for that than we will. And so you can almost think of it as everybody who participates get the benefit, gets the benefit of the convenience and the more powerful offer but only in the circumstances where somebody doesn't sell to someone else on time do we have that cost structure that the iBuyers labor under. And so we're able to spread that cost structure out over a lot more people. Those, oh. are, the big, those are the big waves, iBuyer, PowerBuyer, PowerBlender. And we partner with lenders. So that's another big difference. Um, we will never originate a mortgage to compete with you. We are, we are here to enable and empower our lending partners to work with your borrowers. I do have one thing to add that uh, there are some products out there that allow us to not include the current PITI on the departing residents if there's a listing agreement. So they do exist um, without the need for an actual sale. But um, what Calc solves is most of those offers um, come with stricter reserve requirements. So they go outside of those 
conventional mortgages with stricter reserve requirements, some 12, some 24 months. And so many of these people who are looking to do this don't have a ton of uh, assets, a ton of cash outside of their equity in their home. So if we give them a bridge loan of equity or we give, you know, they have an existing HELOC that they use, um, they don't have typically have the reserves to be able to qualify for these products that do allow us that flexibility. Um, and also those products often have a stricter debt to income ratio than your funny Freddie um, um, AUS type uh, underwriting. So it's, it, it allows that flexibility to, to have not very much in reserves and a higher DTI. And Nikki, going back to you here, I mean, all the stuff I'm hearing from you too is great. The product's great. It sounds like the company's poised for success. On a personal level, why did you choose to work with Calc? And I guess going one step further, what's the experience been like for you so far? Sure. Um, so I have originated many bridge loans and many buy before sales using either private financing or some of those products I just spoke about in the past. But again, what Calc does is it gives um, certainty to people who are scared to hold two properties. So it's all very well for the lender to say, you know, great, no problem, we'll, we'll not count the DTI, but you still got to pay it. Those payments still exist for the customer. And as much as, you know, they don't want to take the purchase price guarantee number in most cases, because it's lower than what they're hoping to sell the house for, it gives it that certainty of when you're buying in one market and selling in a different market, it can be really scary from, you know, cash flow and, you know, what are my payments going to be? And so it gives them the minimum. It gives them that certainty to say, okay, well, this is the worst case that it could be. It really is the worst case. I have a signed contract. And it really empowers the agents to be um, in the transaction with us because they get to help with, you know, looking at well, what is the minimum and giving that certainty to the to the the clients who are signing that PPG to say that's okay, that's a good price, but I'm sure I can get more. And it really, it, from from their standpoint too, it it makes their relationship with the with their clients more solid because they're really involved in in coming up and structuring it. So, um, you know, I've worked with with Calc for a while now, and I, you know, the the process is extremely simple. It is complicated to understand and to explain, and you certainly have to take some time. It's not complicated, but it it just takes time. It's new. It's different, and it's um, you know, it's it it's not something that people have necessarily heard of. So um, once you get through that, though, the process has been extremely smooth. I mean, it's it's a it's a very simple phone call and a signature, almost down to that. Well, it sounds smooth for the buyer, but let's talk how it can be smooth for potential clients or partners with you. And uh, I'll ask, how can a lender who wants to offer a buy before you sell product pick the vendor that's right for them? What should they ask? And uh, what issues should they be paying attention to? Great question. So I'd say there are a few things you should think about in your partner. The first is, to Nikki's point, do they have a process that's clean and easy for you? Um, a lot of the time, we actually had a, I'll, I'll give an anecdote. We actually had a client that um, when we were when we were done, they couldn't believe we were done because they'd worked with a buy before you sell program before that involved duplicate closes. It involved multiple sets of paperwork. It involved all of this extra heartburn on the next property. And the way that we've structured the process, like it's just, first of all, very clean and easy for the lender because our process runs in parallel with yours. We don't, we don't have a whole bunch of complicated tie outs in the middle of your process, which a lot of our competitors do. 
because they built their processes to be the lender. And so then even as they've tried to pivot to the general approach we've taken, they've tried to take these processes and workflows and technologies that were designed to help them originate the loan, and they're trying to shoehorn your mortgage process into that. Ours was built from the very beginning to not interfere with your underwriting standards, to not change your process. It really is, like Nikki said, at the beginning, you explain the process. You you don't even explain the whole process, really, to the borrower. We take care of that part of it. You explain the value prop and the outcomes to the borrower. Your borrower pops into a microsite that's custom branded with your brand on that microsite. And then they're tagged as your borrower so that we never remarket them which is another pretty big distinction. Then from there on out, they're working with you on the loan and they're working with us on the departing residence. And at the end, you're going to get a signed agreement back that does what you need to do to eliminate the home from debt to income. And so that's really clean and it makes a huge, huge, huge difference. And so one thing I would ask is, what do you? how does this change your process? What is involved in this? Another big question that I alluded to is I would ask, is this quote unquote partner a lender who was competing with me a year ago when mortgage was easy and now all of a sudden decided, oh yeah, well, this is a little harder right now. I think I'm just going to partner for a bit. And you know, are you going to give that person access to your LOs, to your borrowers, to your real estate agent relationships? Or are you going to work with somebody who's focused on you as the customer, the way we are from the beginning? The third thing I'd say is, what are they doing to help support you as you talk about the product? Because we do depend on our LO partners and on our lender partners. We do depend on them to have that initial conversation. And so we do a lot to make that easier. Again, there's a custom branded microsite. We have a digital asset management platform full of marketing materials that you can use with your borrowers or your real estate agents. We'll co-host lunch and learns. with with agents. And so there's a whole lot that we do to help support our our client, our clients, our lender partners. Um, and so I think those are three big and the fourth really big one is, is this compliant? Um, I know I know of at least two of our major competitors that Fannie and Freddie have essentially said they're this this isn't compliant, the mortgages are going back. And part of the reason for that is in their agreements they've they've tried to leave themselves room to wiggle out and that doesn't meet Fannie and Freddie's criteria. Um, Others are dealing with pretty significant RESPA violations right now. Others with UDAP violations. Um, And so we've focused from the beginning on everything that's required to be a lending partner or a, a partner for our lenders, not a lender ourselves. And that, that makes a big difference. So Nikki, turning back to you, how has working with Calc impacted your business and growth? What, what problems do you feel like the product has solved for you and your team? I mean, when you introduce the trade-in mortgage to your clients, what's the reaction? Or are there any specific examples you can provide? Sure. Yeah, so Calc sets us apart. You know, it's it's unique. It's not mainstream. It's not an offer, as I said before, that everybody's heard of. Um, and it's unique in its flexibility. Um, and so for me, it's given me a different conversation to to be something other than just, you know, the same old lender with the same old conversations. It really um, partners with bridge loans to enable people to have that peace of mind and that certainty. And, you know, as Jeremy was saying earlier on, you know, when you're 
looking at the cost of moving twice, maybe moving out into a rental, and it's not just cost financially, it's cost of stress and getting the kids out, you know, or as he was saying earlier, you know, you're trying to show the house while you're still living in it or having it staged while you're still in it. All of these things, um, you know, Calc sets us apart because we can alleviate all of those concerns. Um, and so for me, my business, it's, it's given me a different conversation from with my real estate agents. Um, and then also, of course, you know, with the, with the end clients and it's, you know, even though it is complex, it's simple enough that people have welcomed the um, relief that it gives them from, from all of these, uh, all of those worries. The one client um, was somewhat unique that I can tell who was um, the story. She, she had a uh, illness and she couldn't have anybody in her house. So the thought of actually staging the house or having people through was, I mean, it was just adding to the stress of her illness and she just couldn't see a way out. She didn't have enough money to put down on a new house and qualify for both. And um, she's one of our best, um, best advocates for the program because she was able to secure the new house, move into it without having to worry about, you know, strangers in a house, people in a house, um, take care of her health and um, know where she was moving to. And then her realtor came in and did all the spiffiness and, and made the house look wonderful and, and sold it for quite a lot more than the, than the guarantee. So she was thrilled with it. Um, I had another client who had gift money. So that was how they were coming up with the down payment outside of the equity in their home. But the gift was not enough for them to qualify on a conventional loan um, they needed a, a more flexible debt to income calculation on the purchase. And it gave them that ability to do it um, by by with some help from mom and dad, but then also, you know, a flexible purchase loan. And, um, you know, their parents, it gave them more certainty that they were gifting, you know, a significant amount of money to kids who weren't going to end up holding two houses, because that's a concern, again, going back to that. So, you know, it certainly has helped. It's helped me. Um, set myself apart from from you know other lenders with just you know a different conversation that's new it's you know as, as Jeremy was saying we've we've heard of the iBuyers there's all of these other ones but there's there's always been a catch it seemed that it always benefited somebody else other than just the buyer and, and in this case it really does benefit the buyer and as I said before the agents it really is helping them um you know with us with that conversation with the clients as to what the price really is going to be and and having that minimum set and finally, Jeremy, before I let y'all go today, how can a lender get started with Calc and you know, what kind of support can you provide? It's pretty easy. So uh, first of all, if you have any questions, you can go to calcinc.com. Um, and we have a section there on lenders and you can schedule time for a webinar. And we're happy to, we're happy to visit with you and go through in more detail how the program works. But as far as the commitment, it's pretty, like I said, it's we've made it low friction. You're doing us the courtesy of introducing us to your borrowers. And so most of the work for the implementation is on our side. Uh, your marketing team needs to work with our marketing team to make sure that you, you know, we've got the right logo, the right colors, but we bear the cost of standing up that custom microsite for you. Um, we will go through the entire launch process. All of that is on us. We don't charge our lending partners um, for, uh, we don't charge our lending partners a monthly maintenance fee for that microsite or anything along those lines. Um, and the real question is just, you know, how do we, how do we make this as easy for you? And we've really got this process down to about a 
about a two-week implementation as long as your marketing compliance teams are responsive and and you know asking questions quickly. Nikki, anything to add? Yes, I would add that um, you know as an originator, we're very protective of our clients and the relationship. And Calc's team is extremely professional; they represent us very well. And you know that's a that's a big thing for us when you're referring somebody over to a conversation that you might not be um, a party to when they have the when they have the calls. I personally asked to be on those, and I've enjoyed enjoyed being on those. But I could say that you know they're such a, a professional team, and and they do a great job of representing us. Well, I've enjoyed being on this call with both of you today. So I want to thank you both very much for your time, and uh, looking forward yep. to talking soon. Thanks for having us, and thanks again for hopping on the show with us, Nikki. Really appreciate it. In terms of actual interest rate moves, as expected, the Fed held its benchmark rate range from 5.25 to 5.5% for the fourth consecutive meeting yesterday and implied it is done raising rates. Members signaled an openness to cutting rates at future meetings, though not all agreed that a cut should come at the next meeting. The committee said it was still waiting for inflation to fall closer to the Fed's 2% target. Bond yields sank by yesterday's close over concerns surrounding regional lenders' exposure to commercial real estate. This first day of February has a busy calendar that kicked off early with monetary policy decisions from Sweden's Riksbank and the Bank of England, both kept rates unchanged. Domestically, the calendar began with challenger layoffs for January, where U.S.-based employers announced 82,307 cuts over the month, a 136% increase from the 34,817 cuts announced one month prior, but down 20% from the 102,943 cuts announced in the same month last year. The layoff news was followed this morning by jobless claims in at 224,000, moving slightly higher from 215,000, and preliminary Q4 productivity in at 3.2%, down from 4.9% in the third quarter, as well as unit labor costs, which are up 0.5%. Later today brings the final January S&P Global Manufacturing PMI, construction spending for December, ISM Manufacturing PMI for January, and Freddie Mac's primary mortgage market survey. We begin the day with agency MBS prices slightly better than Wednesday's close, the 10-year yielding 3.91 after closing yesterday at 3.97%, and the two-year down to 4.20%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. A young mother with two boys, four and eight, was having a hard time controlling the boys. They were constantly getting into trouble. If something happened in the neighborhood, it was probably the boys that did it. She heard that a local preacher had success getting boys under control, so she went to him to ask for help. He said he would help, but would only meet with one boy at a time. The next morning, she took the four-year-old over and planned to take the eight-year-old in the afternoon. The four-year-old went into the preacher's office and met him. The preacher was a very big man and had a loud, deep voice. He looked at the four-year-old and asked, Where is God? The four-year-old just stood there saying nothing. The preacher said again a little louder, where is God? The four-year-old again said nothing, so the preacher, in a very loud voice, asked, Where is God? The little boy ran out of the office and all the way home and hid in his bedroom closet. The eight-year-old found his brother in the closet and asked, What happened? The four-year-old answered, God is missing and they're blaming us. Thanks to today's podcast sponsor, Calc. Given the rates are the highest they've been in decades, how can homeowners be convinced to move into a new home? With the trade and mortgage powered by Calc, 
homeowners can buy before they sell, make non-contingent offers, and tap their home equity to fund the down payment on their next home. The result? Lenders help their clients negotiate a lower purchase price, reduce their interest payments, and eliminate PMI. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at Robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.